in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 627. <laughs> We've done 627 episodes of the Ron and Don Show. Sometimes someone will stop me and say, where'd you go? And I'm like, where'd you go? I've done 627 episodes of the Ron and Don Show. More people listen to me on this podcast uh, than they do at Cairo Radio. We make more money now than we made at Terrestrial Radio. And they're like, why aren't you going back? I'm like, because I don't really want to work 14 hours a day and be threatened by people that they're going to kill me because some of the other hosts on the radio station. Anyway, I digress. Thanks for being here, Ron. For 627 episodes, we've been live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up, uh, Midlife Crisis has been replaced by a midlife evaluation. I like that. Also, Arnold, he is back. Before we get to Arnold, though, in our midlife evaluations, Let's talk about Elon Musk, because it seems like he's not going anywhere. Walter Isaacson, we told you on last week's show, that he has a new book out, and he's written a book on Ben Franklin. He's written a book about Steve Jobs, and now he's written a book about Elon Musk. The thing about Walter Isaacson, in order to write about Steve Jobs, he said, you know what, Steve? I'll write the book, but I want access to everyone, including your daughter. Jobs wouldn't give it to him until he found out he was dying. Then he was like, okay, you can have access to her. And then Walter Isaacson also told Jobs, keep your finger off the scale because I'm going to be honest. Ron, you've been exploring this book. Was it was it the same agreement? Oh, I, I just finished it. Is it, is it the same agreement that Isaacson and Musk had? Is it the same agreement that, that Steve Jobs had? Yes and no. Uh, the no part is, is that Isaacson in the book talks about, like Elon will just call him or text him at these watershed moments of his life, which I don't think Steve Jobs was doing. <clears throat> and then because of Elon Musk's uh, Asperger's, he legitimately does not get and or care if something is negative or positive. It either fits into his mission that he's given himself and his sense of humor, or it doesn't. So like he, it was very illuminating to me because I like, um, I actually deleted my Twitter account when I saw what he had done to Twitter. I had a bunch of uh, stock in Tesla. I, I sold my, my stock in Tesla because he sort of appeared like he was going down the MAGA train and like doing some stuff that I felt was just not in alignment with my beliefs. But in an effort to be open-minded, I got this book. I finished the book, uh, the, the audible version. And, um, the thing that is just bizarre that Steve Jobs did not have, and maybe it's not bizarre, it is bizarre. Elon Musk has self-appointed to self-deployed to be the savior of human civilization. And I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek, and Isaacson doesn't say it tongue-in-cheek. He, uh, his family ended up, in a, due to some strange circumstances in South Africa, his dad uh, was a total bullshit artist, as he says. Hmm. And so that's why he is uh, allergic to bullshit artists like Donald Trump. Hmm. 
And he ends up in South Africa. He's got a brother named Kimball. And there's this watershed moment early in his life where Elon goes to school and he would sit and just stare out the window and be non-responsive. And so people thought he might have been mentally retarded or something was wrong with him, but he would be so deep in thought that other you could come up and clap in front of him or throw a ball at him. It would hit him in the chest. He would be non-responsive. He'd be so deep in thought uh, until he solved whatever thing he was he was working on in his brain. What if you hit him over the head with a crowbar? He would have recognized it after the fact. Okay, but he wouldn't have reached up and tried to defend himself. Really? He was he sort and he he sort of does the same thing up until this day. So he was weird. In in grade school, I believe. Uh, a group of bullies in South Africa, and they say South Africa in the 70s and 80s was very rough. And, uh, you know, it was going through the whole apartheid thing, and there was a lot of violence just in and around South Africa. He got the crap beat out of him uh, to the extent where if you've ever watched an interview with Elon Musk and seen how his face seems very wooden, he's had multiple surgeries, reconstructive surgeries on his face due to this childhood beating. So when they got back to his dad, his father not only didn't defend him, but chastised him for not being a good fighter and for allowing himself to get his butt kicked. And so there was these moments that happened in his life where he then went deeper into programming, deeper into his own brain, deeper into like uh, science fiction in some ways, deeper into uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe became, or the galaxy became his Bible. And so his life, he has now said he, he, he needs to save humanity from climate change, save humanity from evil robots like AI, save humanity. He says that there's a, a, a population decline because people aren't, smart people especially aren't having enough children. And so everything he does is through this maniacal lens of getting people off of the, uh, of Earth into Mars. Is that why he's had so many so many children? He's had like ten kids. Yeah, makes sense. And so he um, has this unbelievable appetite for risk. There's some scenes in the book where when he started SpaceX, where he he contrasts a company like Boeing that would get a contract with NASA, the government, and they're getting paid by the hour, parts of material. So they have 19 layers of safety and 73 uh, inspectors come through. <clears throat> it goes on and on and on, and they don't care because they just keep getting paid. Yep. So he went to NASA and said, hey, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You pay me for the payload I deliver. If I can get human beings to the space station, you pay me. If I can launch satellites into space, you pay me. You pay nothing up front. Pay me when it's delivered. And so he would go through and just constantly be deleting stuff out of rockets. He'd go to every engineer. Why do we need that? Why do we need that? Can you make that lighter? Can we make that cheaper? Can we use a part from the Tesla factory that's an actuator in a Tesla car on a rocket? Sure, let's try it. So he'd get onto the, the one of the famous ones was there was these fuel baffles so that the engines wouldn't explode. So why do we need those? Engineers explained to you, delete it. Well, it could, it could mean the rocket blows up. Well, let's uh, delete it. So they build, <laughs> <laughs> they build a, a $30 million rocket. Holy it's on the launch pad. Yeah. The engineer comes over and says, hey, we think we might have a valve leak. This is happening on this camera. Elon would go into that trance. Everyone's standing there. The thing's on the launch pad. It's 
everyone's watching him for like two or three minutes of complete silence. And then he'll go, I've calculated the risk. Go 90 seconds later, the rocket blows up. Mm. He comes back and he's like, I guess we needed the fuel baffles. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's a story of from (laughs) PayPal Mm. to Tesla to solar city to Neuralink to SpaceX to the boring company to Starlink Internet, to X.AI, to X.com and Twitter. This one incredible company, innovation after innovation, and he just continues to double down, what, what, even when he has hundreds of millions of dollars at risk or billions of dollars. So I, so I get I get some of it, but it seems like I, I heard Isaacson, uh, excuse me, he was on an uh, interview, and he didn't, totally quite get the Twitter thing either. Uh, what did you garner from the book about him? Was that impulsive or what is he trying to save with twi- Twitter? Is he trying to save free speech? He, it's impulsive. He admits it was a mistake. He does. But now that um, he owns it, he's inadvertently backed into using the Twitter stream to feed his own AI. So he has X.AI. He started Open Open AI hmm. because and he gave a hundred million dollars to it because he was worried that uh, as Isaac Asimov said that the robots would t- take over and turn evil. So he wanted it to be open source so we could keep it from be- being evil and doing harm to humanity. He got ousted out of that, so he started X.AI. And now he's using the Twitter feed to feed the, the his large learning model. So like, I, I don't know, man, it's, it, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> it's definitely worth a read. It changed my perception about a lot of things. I still don't regret deleting my Twitter account and I don't regret selling my Tesla stock, but man, he is one of one beyond even Steve jobs. Hmm. It is crazy. Is he as miserable as Steve jobs? Would you be miserable if he had 10 kids? Yeah. See you on the other side of this. Good question. Hey, one of the things Ron and I really like about Les Schwab is they are always doing the right thing. You've heard us say before, hey, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. It's true. And the thing I love is they really get involved in the micro communities around here. Because, you know, Seattle, Tacoma, Fight Fremont, what are we? We're just, it's a really cool area where you find 300 cities and towns that are just kind of connected with bridges, water, and mountains. But let's not forget what's happening in Maple Valley for kids. This is pretty cool, Ron. Yeah, on July 22nd, the Valley Girls and Guys at Les Schwab will be having their fifth annual Be the Hope Walk at Summit Park in Maple Valley. It benefits the Valley Girls and Guys Foundation and is uh, dedicated to providing assistance to local families who are impacted by any type of cancer diagnosis. How cool is that? So you can participate and register. It's a 1.8 mile walk. It's 35 bucks. You can go to valleygirlsandguys.org. That's valleygirlsandguys.org. All right. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Investors, listen to me. You know, some investors aren't really investors. They're flippers. They're looking to buy a house and uh, flip it. But did you know that 40% of all Americans that hold a mortgage were refinanced down to a 2.8, 2.9, or 3.0? That's why you don't see any homes on the market right now 
for investors unless unless you're willing to get in there and compete and not flip. That means investors, instead of being a flipper, you have to do what I do and become a buy and holder, right? And we can teach you how to buy and hold investors with a Ronadon sit down. Yeah, it all starts really simply with a Ronadon sit down. It's about a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call, free of charge. There's no obligation. We'll see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronadon.com, or you can go to the website, ronadonsitdown.com. So, dude, why did you leave that part out? That was the best part. There's so many things in this book. Yeah, how many babies with who? Elon Musk, I think in the same month, had a, three children by two different women. One of them was a co-worker with artificial insemination. And then, meanwhile, his father had a child with a stepdaughter that he raised, a la Woody Allen. But and then Elon put him in yacht prison. Elon was going to buy him a yacht to keep him close, but without. Oh, we're we're back. Okay, hey you guys, what's going on? Uh, Welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Thanks, Dan. Uh, uh, Where were we? Oh, uh, midlife crisis. Have you ever had a midlife crisis? And they say no more midlife crises. We're supposed to now have midlife evaluations. I certainly have watched. My parents go through a midlife crisis, and I don't know that they ever got out of that crisis. <laughs> I don't. Know. I mean, how do you define this? Because like, I'm I'm midlife right now, and I'm. We talked about it last episode. Like, I'm I'm finally doing an extended. You're not midlife. Double I'm, your age. You're not midlife. I'm I'm a little past midlife. You're probably. very past midlife. But I mean, it's still. I think most people would think of in your fifties as midlife. No, if you're fifty three, double your age. Last time I checked. Hey, 106? Yeah. It's possible. You're not Medical mid- advancements are happening <laughs> as we know it. I'm 56. I'm certainly not midlife. But it, but, but, but anyway. Saying that, like, uh, I, I'm, I didn't buy a sports car or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like I'm, I'm doing uh, what for me is a wild experiment uh, of, like, leaving the country for more like five to six weeks. So, like, that is that a midlife crisis or is that yeah. a midlife evaluation of going – this is a daydream I've hold, held around in my mind for years. I'm going to try. No, it. I don't. I don't. I, I remember when, and these are the family stories, right? So you never know what's true. But I remember when my father split. I had an uncle who wasn't my real uncle, but in the Midwest and also in the South. Did you ever have an uncle and an aunt growing up that weren't your uncle and aunt? But they, they were basically your parents' drinking buddies that were over all the time, and you're like, Kinda. and maybe someone that one of your parents was having an affair with, and you're like, oh, that's my, my that's my uncle Villanette D, who aren't my uncle Villanette. My D. favorite, or that's 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 Uncle Jim and Aunt Sandy, who are not Uncle Jim and Aunt Sandy. My favorite one of that group was my mom and dad would try to explain to me, honey, these two ladies are roommates. <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> Really? What do you mean they're roommates? Yeah. And it was, you know, they're trying to yeah. get yeah. that by me. Anyway, anyway, these these were my parents' uh, uh, booze and buddies. And, and I can remember, though, my Uncle Bill was really great. In fact, before he died, and I hadn't seen my, my father in decades before he died, but I did see my Uncle Bill. And my Uncle Bill, like a good Midwestern person, was driving through Seattle with his wife. Uh, we stopped at the Nickerson Saloon to have a burger. And he was in a station wagon because everybody in the Midwest drove station wagon. He was into his 80s. He do had cancer and he was dying. He wanted to come chat with me. And so we sat out on the deck one day and I started asking him because he was my father's best man. 
And I said, isn't it is I said, what was it like in the Vietnam War uh, with my dad? And he's like, what? And I'm like, my dad, he's in the Vietnam War. He had these medals from the Vietnam War. And he says, your father and I were never in the Vietnam War. He goes, I was a paratrooper. He said, I never went overseas. We weren't even in the army during Vietnam. Uh, and it actually made him very sad because my, my dad had these medals that he had pinned to himself. He told these Vietnam stories that he had been in Vietnam. And my, and my dad served his country honorably. At least it's honorable to me. He was in the army. He was in the Midwest, not far from where he grew up. And he was a cook. Uh, that's why he was so great at, in, in, in my family, if all we had was some cube steak lying around, some potatoes from the garden, he could make something really great by just adding, usually cream of mushroom soup was in everything. That's the magic right the there. The weird thing is it always fed 783 people. Yeah. But the, <laughs> the thing that my father did, did though, when he left is he blew his life up when he had his midlife crisis. He went, I think he, he had met another woman that actually went to my high school. She was very young. She then has since passed. My understanding is they've had four other kids. A couple of those boys have reached out to me over the years. And I, I see a midlife crisis is really blowing your life up sometimes financially, blowing your life partner. Uh, and, and, and I think there's a way. Like when Gwyneth Paltrow talks about consciously uncoupling, I love that. I think that that's great because when you're consciously uncoupling and you're doing this consciously, you're thinking about your friends that you have in common. You're thinking about your family members. You're thinking about my, your kids. My father didn't do any of that. All he did is he thought about himself. He blew his life completely up. And I remember, at least my, my Uncle Bill has told me this, that he called my father. He went to see him and he said, hey, man, you're going through a midlife crisis. This is what's happening. This is what you need to do. And my father basically told him, F you, and he never talked to him again. My father never talked to any of his friends again. I have uh, my mother right now is going through something very similar. And there's a bunch of people in our family and friends, childhood friends, that she just wrote off and she doesn't talk to anymore. So I think sometimes, and she's not actually in her midlife anymore, but to me, she's acting like it. It's like when you hit a midlife crisis, you blow things up. I think a midlife evaluation, it could mean that you put up boundaries, stop talking to certain people, or you may decide that you are going to divorce a partner, but you don't blow your life up. It's as the a recklessness. Re- as a re- thank you. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. if you do something, yeah, I, I think that that's, this article was talking about though, to do an evaluation in a sober way. Uh, the problem with doing an evaluation I've found for a lot of people is it's only half of the problem. You also have to have the courage to accept the results of the evaluation. So give me a, give me an example of that. So let's say you uh, do this midlife evaluation, and it turns out. How do you do a midlife evaluation? Do you write it down? Do you take a test? Well, do you go to a school? <laughs> How does that happen? In this article, I talk about going to a life coach. Mm-hmm. You go to a therapist. Uh, you know, it's getting this evaluation has an evaluator, and so you go and you might look at to get a life coach get a, uh, a career counselor, get a, a therapist, something like that. So let's say you do that. And one of the conclusions is maybe you are in the wrong job. Maybe your marriage is stale. Uh, and so maybe you uh, haven't, you know, maybe you do need to sell your house and move or try new, whatever it is. So there's going to be a result. If you do the evaluation and you don't have the courage to do the result, then you're I don't stuck. think you're you should stuck. do you're, it. Well, you're, you're, you're stuck. And, and I was listening to, to Rick Rubin, who I know that sometimes you have some issues with. I don't I was, have, when do I ever? You said something that you thought he was 
little froofy or too wrong. I wouldn't say someone's froofy. He's pretty woo-woo. He is. Yeah. But he was talking. He, uh, no, I think, no, I think he, I think he's brilliant. My point was with Rick Rubin, I don't always understand what he's doing. And I don't think he always understands what he's doing, but, but whatever the outcome is, when you look at the artist that he works is, is, is always brilliant. And I don't always get it. Cause I like to look at something and figure it out. I cannot figure out the greatness of, of Rick Rubin would be my point. Well, so. One of the things he said that is all that stuck with me is he's like, when you are in one of those stuck places, um, it's not only not good for you, it's not good for anybody around you. Mm -hmm. So if you're unhappy in your marriage, you're doing your partner a disservice by staying. Mm -hmm. You're doing the world. And he, he expands it to the world. Like you're by, by you staying in a thing that you know, to not be genuine to yourself, marriage, job, location, whatever, friendship habit by doing that, you are robbing the world of the genuine you. And he's like, it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, if you have zero dollars, you can still make a change. Mm. And he's like, I know people look at me like, oh, you're this successful guy. And of course you can build a spa in your house or have a place in you Miami. You have a spa in your house? No, Rick Rubin. I have been over here. Oh, Rick and Rubin. So, okay. And he's like, it doesn't matter if you have a dollar in the bank account or a billion dollars in the bank account. You still have the ability to choose. And you have the ability to change your environment and walk away. And that really stuck me to go, yeah, not only if you're staying in a friendship or a job or something, he, you know, there is someone that would do that job and not grumble about it every day. There is someone that would be very grateful to have the job that you hate. So if you hate your job and you spend half of the day grumbling about the job, Go find a different job. Why? So the thing I don't get, why wait to your midlife to do that? I think it's something that I, when I, when I wake up, I do that every day. And when I don't do it, uh, I find myself stuck. If I do it every day, and so for me, it's kind of a micro thing. I did it this morning. Sometimes I write a page. Sometimes I write a line. Sometimes I just read something I wrote yesterday. I have a bunch of journals I've written over the years. I have, and I have a place where they're stacked. Uh, I had read one time that Eminem does this, that he has all these journals in a closet and he just takes them out when he needs to and reads them. So you're the midlife Eminem. <laughs> no more, wonder. More, more. <laughs> Hopefully with peanuts. We'll see you on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. Mitch, it's interesting, as the interest rates have risen, many people thought, oh, well, there'll be a bunch of inventory that comes on right at the first part of 2023, and then things will level out. That didn't happen. Inventory remains tight. Interest rates remain high. Why would that still be a good time to buy? Well, now's a great time to buy, and that's because rates are going to drop, and we're going to see a feeding frenzy. Right now, there's a huge stagnant hole in the market, and that's that 700k to 1.2-ish million dollar home. And all the people living in those homes right now either refied or bought in a two and a half to three and a half percent rate, and they're terrified to move. They know if they sell their home, they're going to have to jump into a six, six and a half percent rate, and it just won't look as attractive. 
So what's going to happen is rates are going to drop and all those people who wanted to move, wanted to upsize, wanted to move for whatever reason, you know, people just like to move in life, but they don't move if there's this blocker. And we're going to see that blocker come off. We're going to see the cap come off and we're going to see a, a bit of a frenzy here. All right. So this would be the time to buy and then replace the rate uh, once it drops with your new program. Yeah, we've got the rate and replace program. You can buy now and you can refi free of charge, free of the lender fees. Um, and we'll take care of those for you. So great deal. All right. Check him out online at Mitch.loans. It's not a dot com. It's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, you just do what we're doing right now. It's ronadonsitdown.com. We take about 30, 45 minutes. We find out about your real estate journey. We find out if we can help. Sometimes your property needs a lot of work, so let's work on it. Let's figure out how much it's going to cost, how we're going to pay for it, and how it's going to get done, and how much money you're going to get back in net proceeds. Other time, maybe you're a first-time buyer or a fifth-time buyer or an investor. Um and the thing is with us, the project a lot of times starts after the property sold. So I was just up on Queen Anne with some of our clients earlier. Uh, we're working on a duplex up there. And this is something that they are creating because they're travelers. And they want to create some, well, I don't, I don't know if you can call real estate passive income, but consistent income each and every month. So I just met our crews up there. We walked the property. We have our plans. And we're getting to work. So that's going to be a crusher. I think it's so nice. And I don't know a lot of real estate agents that do that. And you know, I get paid for doing that. Absolutely nothing. I just do it because I love it. I care about it. And I know they'll refer me uh, to someone else. So if you need us or you have a referral for us, we appreciate and thank you so much. And especially thank Ollie and Emmy who referred so many people to us. Uh, And baby James, thanks for always referring people to the Ron and Don show. We saw you at our party. Speaking of our party, did you see Gretchen pull up on her hog? I didn't see the hog, but I saw her, uh, yes, in the yeah. party. So Gretchen and Byron called us a number of years ago. They're part of the Ron and Don Nation. Hello, Byron. Byron couldn't make it. He was golfing over the weekend. And anyway, I rem- she's a, she was an educator. And Gretchen and Byron, I love their love story. I remember going into their house. We had a Ron and Don sit down with them. And then I went to visit them for the second Ron and Don sit down. I sat at their kitchen table and I sat with Byron. And later on, I would sit with Gretchen and up on the fireplace hearth. I still have a picture of it. It's, it's, it's their wedding picture, but the wedding picture isn't that old. They haven't been married for that long. So I started to ask Byron, I said, what, what's kind of the background with you and Gretchen? And he said, you know what? We were, Madly in love with each other in high school. And then for whatever reason, we grew apart. He said, I got married. She got married. We never talked again. Uh, We raised other families. He said, I went through a divorce and I started thinking about her. And so he said, one day I went to classmates.com and I I started looking for her. And he said that he reached out to her and she said, I cannot talk to you. And then a week later, she reached back out to him and said, I have to talk to you. So I could get a little teary-eyed about it. But but nonetheless, they are together today. They've been together for a number of years. And a common interest that they have are Harley Davidson's. In fact, Byron's been riding a, a hog for a long time. He taught Gretchen to do that. And they tease each other because wherever he goes in America, he trailers the hog. 
Sometimes she and he offers to trailer her hog. She will not allow her hog to be trailer. She wants to ride her hog and he trailers his. So they have this trailer. They travel the country. She rides sometimes in an all-female group. So if you follow her, I don't know if you've seen her on, on Facebook. It's really amazing. And a lot of times uh, she's the hog leader. And so we sat down and I said, guys, what's going on? What do you want to do? They said, our kids are grown. We've grown out of this house in Everett. And we have a lot of money locked away and we would like to sell. And there's a place about three hours away in Eastern Washington that we would like to live because there's a golf course there and there's great riding and the weather's better uh, if you want to ride a hog. So we went to work on this property in Everett. I have to say they were great teammates because Byron and Gretchen did a lot of the work uh, and we did a lot of the work as well. We worked together to bring this house to market. We had a phenomenal result. This was a beautiful home. Uh, and I want, I'll, I'll just say the, the home sold for well over a million dollars. And what was really cool is they are probably, I would say, I would probably say late 60s now. Uh, he worked at Boeing. And again, she was an educator. They bought that place. I'm not going to tell you exactly where it was for the, the sake of their privacy. They end up buying this place. We have stayed in touch ever since then. This is a number of years ago. And I told them that we're having this party years ago. And they were like, you know what? We'll ride the hogs over. And we were planning on having this appreciation party, getting everyone together. And then COVID happened, so we can't get together. And then real estate has happened, life has happened, lots going on. So anyway, we end up having this party, and I reach out to them thinking, I... There's a courtesy. There's no, no, not as a courtesy. I love them. I just, I just like, there's no way they're going to come to the party, but I'm, I'm going to reach out and invite them. And we're sitting at the party on Saturday night, and all of a sudden I hear these pipes, vroom, 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 and I go out. Gretchen is on her hog. She's with her friend Linda, uh, who is there. They pull up. They got the leather on. They got the whole thing uh, going. They come in. It was so great to have. She let me uh, sit down on her bike. We had we took some pictures together. Uh, we exchanged a hug. We, we there's a there's a, in the same way that you feel about Juan Carlos and Heather, and I love them as well. I I have this love with uh, with 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 this couple as well. So anyway. They came in. We had a great time. She made sure she didn't have anything to drink. And I'm like, why Why aren't you having a, a cocktail or something? Uh, and then you can you stay here for a little. She said, well, I'm driving. All, I'm, I'm riding the hog all the way back tonight because Byron and I have, I think they're, they were going golfing uh, the next day. So anyway, she was there at the party. It was so fun to introduce her to other people. And what's really cool, you guys, Here's a woman that was an educator, right? Here she is still fully in her youth and in the, in the, the latter stages of 60, along with her husband. Not only have they, re, have they found each other since high school, but they are so engaged, not only with each other, but in life. And the thing that I love is this autonomy that they have, where they give each other a lot of room to say, hey, Gretchen's getting on her bike and she's going to Magnolia and she's going to the party and, and Byron has friends coming over and they're going to go play golf and they really celebrate the differences. They really elevate each other. And I have to say, every time I go online and she rides more than he does and I see her and she rides all over America. In fact, she just got back from new Orleans. 
And I was asking her, I was like, Hey, did, did Byron help trailer your bike yet? She said, no, we went all the way down there at Florida. Uh, and then they rode those hogs all the way back. So I just really want to encourage people like how much money. And I talked about this in the last, uh, how much money is enough money, right? Sometimes we think we have to put so much away and we're saving for a rainy day. We're saving for a rainy day. We're saving for a rainy day. And then we get cancer. We're saving for a rainy day, and then a partner has a heart attack. We're saving for a rainy day, saving for a rainy day. And then something happens where the rain never comes, and we're dead and in the box. So for some of you that are listening, that's what the Ron and Don sit down is all about. It is unlocking your future. And that's what we did for Gretchen and Byron, right? They're just blue-collar folks. She's taking care of kids. He's building and helping build airplanes on the line that we've all flown around in. And they were able to take this pot of money that they had and unlock their future. And that is why we are here. So you can go ride that hog or go play some golf for the rest of your days. All right. So our thanks to Gretchen and Byron. She sent me this amazing picture. I'm going to put up on my Facebook page for you. I'm Don O'Neill on Facebook. Also Don O'Neill 34 on Instagram. And he's Ron Upshaw. No longer on Twitter, uh, as he shared with you. I'm on threads. But he's on threads, Instagram, and you can find him on Facebook as well. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, just reach out. Ron and Don, sit out! Com and we'll sit down today. Until next time, you keep your head up and your shoulders back. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Only.